this is Kenan and Chad from Journey Church, and what we're going to do is kind of dive deeper into our sermon from Sunday. So, Chad, we just started a new sermon series uh, called God With Us. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the idea for this is that as we dig into the Christmas season, there are so many things that get bombarded at us. Uh, everything from all of the, the sales flyers that come out to all the different holiday activities and different things that are going on. And sometimes it's just really important to be reminded of the real focus of the season for a follower of Jesus Christ. The fact that God chose to come down, to wrap himself in flesh, to be incarnate. And so we had God with us, not just God off someplace who cared about us, not just a God somewhere sitting off judging us, but a God that chose to be with us. So... One thing you were talking about is that with with Jesus coming down, he became God with us. But that was not a new concept, that that is something that uh, had happened in Genesis. Would you like to sure. elaborate on that? Um, we find all the way back at the beginning of creation that when God formed man, when God created woman, um, that it was for the purpose of being in relationship with him. It wasn't just so that he could have some beings in a fish tank somewhere and watch them, uh, like we might have when we go to the doctor's office or whatever, and we, we see that. Um, the point of his creation was that they would be in a relationship with him. And that relationship was not just a spiritual relationship, not just even an, an emotional connection, but that it was a physical connection. Um, we see evidence in Genesis chapter 3, even when Adam and Eve chose to sin, and it broke that relationship, it, it, it destroyed that part of the relationship, that as God is coming through the garden to communicate the judgment to Adam and Eve, that he does it in a way that they already recognized. They understood that this was God. Uh, walking through the garden to find them because they heard him, they recognized him. And uh, a lot of different theologians look at this different ways, uh, but one of the prevailing thoughts is that this is the, the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Jesus who is there, who was that physical embodiment of who God was. And we actually see this then several times throughout the Old Testament. We see it when uh, he's on the, the mountain uh, with some of the prophets. We see it at, at other times when all of a sudden there is a physical representation of God and that physical manif manifestation that takes place is always Jesus, the, the one that we know is Jesus, that part of the Trinity that takes on that physical manifestation for God. Yeah, I know a lot of theologians disagree on, on this pre-incarnate Christ, but some people think that it's uh, when Joshua is about to go to Jericho, that the, the angel of the Lord, or many times that the phrase, the angel of the Lord is used, that uh, some theologians think that that's the pre-incarnate Christ. Absolutely. And there is a, a ton of information. There's a, a ton of scriptural background that would, that would back that up, in part because of the way that the language is used uh, in the original texts. Um, and in part because of the way in which many times that angel speaks. Uh, that angel speaks many times in first person, not in third person. And so because of that, it's as if um, it, it is God himself 
speaking, which would make sense if it were the pre-incarnate Christ, because he is God, God the Father, God the Son, the Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. You like to, to talk often in your uh, sermons about cycles and things just uh, repeating themselves in, in a certain in a certain way, and with this being the and one of the overarching stories of, of Scripture about God wanting to be in relationship, uh, wanting to restore that relationship with mankind, and through Jesus being able to be here with us, we, we see that as just another continuation of, of these cycles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I love about God's Word is many times we begin to think that the Bible is confusing. Um, you know, we begin to to read stories. Well, how does this connect with that? And why do I need to learn all of these hard names in the Old Testament? And what is the book of Numbers really all about? And, and all these kinds of things that, that take place. I think one of the things that is so helpful to us as Christ followers is when we begin to understand that this is one overarching story. And not just from Genesis through Revelation, not just in the written word, but this is one overarching story from the beginning of time through now and through the future. This is, this is one thing that God is accomplishing. And that one thing is, is that God created. He loves what he created and wants to be in relationship with that which he created. So what that means is, is that from the beginning of time, he knew that man was going to sin. And so he already had a plan in place to be able to restore us back to him. And, and for me, um, not only as a, as a pastor leader, but just as an individual follower of Christ, um, that brings so much hope. And that's something we're going to talk about this next week as we dig a little deeper into this God with us series. But the idea that God never wanted me to live life alone. Um, I, I often talk about when I'm uh, dealing with the early chapters of Genesis, whether it's in our journey groups um, or, or even from the, the platform we're speaking on a Sunday, that the first crisis of the Bible was that Adam was alone. You know, um, you know, when we think of, of, of crises that, that might take place, you know, we think of natural disasters, we think of, you know, financial situations or whatever that might be. But the reality is, is that the first crisis in the Bible was that Adam didn't have a partner. And so it was obvious that God intended for us to be relational beings. He wanted us to be connected, not only to him, but to others. And so here in this passage in, in third Genesis, where we see that evidence that, that God had been in physical connection. Um, and as we look all throughout scripture at what he's done, he has made a way for all of the barriers between us and him to be removed. So in the Old Testament, once that barrier was in place and Adam and Eve were put out of the garden and it it harmed the way that they were able to communicate with God and to be with God. God instituted prophets and then priests and all of these people who were a go-between between God and man. So as just a uh, an average Joe, if you want to call it that, I didn't have the right to go directly to God. 
I had to go to my local priest, and that priest would go to God on my behalf. And because God is all about restoration and wanting to restore that original relationship that was in place, when Jesus came and offered himself as sacrifice, the way that God symbolized the fact that this relationship was being restored was this huge curtain that hung in the temple that separated the place where God was, that the priest would go to communicate with God. That that curtain was ripped in half. And it's really significant that the curtain was ripped in half from the top to the bottom. And what that was signifying was it was nothing that man could do. You know, man could grab a curtain from the bottom and try to rip it from the bottom to the top. But it was ripped from the top to the bottom, signifying that God was the one who was removing this because of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made. So when that happened, now I no longer had to go through a priest to get to God. I no longer had to have a prophet speak on behalf of God. God was now able to speak directly to me and I directly to him in a way that was more about relationship than just instruction or condemnation. And to me, that is an amazing story for us to be aware of, especially through this Christmas season. Because at Christmas, when we look at those things that are dear to us, the things that are most dear to us at times like this are our relationships. Yeah, we love getting gifts, and we love giving gifts, and we love going to the parties, and we love having all of the the stuff that goes along with the Christmas season. But really, what ties all those things together are the relationships that we have. The reason I love giving gifts to people is because I care about them and I want to see that look on their face when they get something that's meaningful to them. Uh, The reason that I love going to the Christmas party is because I get to spend time with people who are important to me. The reason that I love having Christmas dinner is because I get to sit around a table with people that I love and cherish and have great importance in my life. And and God understands that. He, He made us as relational beings. And so by him doing this, by him providing this way to bring this circle back and make it complete, it means that that I can be in the kind of relationship with God that he intended to be. Um, And even though I don't have a physical presence of God with me right now, I do have the spiritual presence of God with me right now in the presence of the Holy Spirit who comes into my life and leads me and guides me and reminds me of his presence, even in those times in life that are difficult. So I'm going to back up for just a second and clarify when you were talking about the curtain being torn, you were talking about the crucifixion. And after uh, Jesus uh, breathed his last, Mm -hmm. that the curtain in the, the temple in Jerusalem that separated the Holy of Holies, where, where God supposedly dwelt and the common people was was torn in half, therefore signifying this whole God with us concept, like you were saying. That's exactly right. Um, you know, we we often talk about how we're no longer under the law. You know, the law of the Old Testament was that there must be the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. The truth is, we are still under the law. It's just that Jesus was that blood that was shed for the remission of our sin. So we're no longer under it in the way that 
that we think of the Old Testament being like, where I had to bring a lamb every year to be slaughtered on behalf of the sins of me and my family. But there was a perfect lamb who was slaughtered that could cover all sin. Uh, and, and what that does for me is it reminds me of just how important this relationship is to God. You know, I, I have a son. I have a 14-year-old son. I have a 16-year-old daughter. Um, the idea of offering either of them for anyone is so outside my realm of understanding. I have incredibly close friends that I would do almost anything in the world for. But I wouldn't give up Caitlin or Caleb to them. I love my family. I love my extended family. I've got mom and sisters and stepsisters and brothers-in-law and all these different folks, and I love them, but there is no way I would give up Caitlin or Caleb for them. And it signifies the incredible love that God has for us and his desire to be with us, that Jesus was able to make that sacrifice for us in such a way that, like you said, tore that veil in the Holy of Holies and allowed us to have direct access to God. Now, I'm going to sidetrack us for a second. We've been talking about the, the sermon and, and going a little bit deeper into that uh, on Facebook, uh, which all of our sermons are on Facebook, but also we, we post some uh, some encouraging and, and thought-provoking things on there from time to time. One thing that was posted last week was a quote, How can I give the gift of the Prince of Peace to others this Christmas? Mm-hmm. End quote. Would you like to tell, well, at least one way that perhaps you're going to do that or, or others might? You know, when we look at <clears throat> at this season, for many of us, again, because we're relational beings, because that's how God created us, one of the things that we do in relationship is we, we give things to others. Uh, sometimes that's as simple as giving shelter to our family by providing a home or making sure that you know, we have clothes to wear and food to eat and all those things. But many times it's because we intentionally are giving gifts. And many of us this Christmas season, we will gather together with family or friends or journey groups or whoever, and and we'll exchange gifts. And some of them are fun and funny, and some of them are meaningful, and some of them are practical, you know, stuff that they may need for the upcoming year or whatever. Uh, I have an aunt every year who her... uh, kind of her calling card when it came to giving gifts was giving underwear. Um, but it was never <laughs> normal underwear. It was always something funny. And then the one year that she decided to break out of that mold, she gave my cousin a hat and everybody thought it was underwear that didn't have the legs cut out. It was just, it, <laughs> that was just kind of the pattern that she had gotten herself. I mean, we, we love giving, we love giving gifts. And many times we think those gifts are about tangible things. Um, But Jesus came, and and one of the names, we talked about Emmanuel on Sunday, which means God with us. But another one of those names that is given to him as the angel is speaking is that he's the Prince of Peace. And at the day and age that we live in, we don't see a lot of peace. We see a lot of turmoil. We see a lot of division. We see a lot of strife. And one of the things that I I was challenging us as a church with is, how can we give the Prince of Peace to someone? Not only how can we share Jesus with others, which is ultimately giving that Prince of Peace, but how can we how can we demonstrate that to others by giving the Prince of Peace? 
we did a challenge a few weeks ago as we ended up our Do Hard Things series, where we asked people to to first give to help feed some people that might be in need, but then we asked them to go a step further. We asked them to actually grab a bag of food and have it with them and be looking for opportunities to give that to someone that might need it. And the funny thing about that was people that had never been looking for that before began to see those opportunities all around them. And they got so excited, you know, they they would give it to someone. I, I heard one lady tell of a, a woman that was kind of out at an intersection, you know, and they, they needed food and they didn't have stuff. And she rolled down her window and she handed the bag out to her and kind of explained to her what it was. And the look of appreciation on that woman's face may be the best return gift that that lady from our church will get all Christmas season. Because what she was doing, in effect, was just giving a little bit of the Prince of Peace to that woman in that moment. Bringing, you know, that's that's one or two meals that she doesn't have to worry about whether or not her family's going to be able to eat. And for some people this Christmas season, it may be that person that's out shopping last minute and is so worried and they're not sure they're going to have the money to pay the credit card bill next month because they're racking things up so they can buy things for their family or whatever. And maybe it's just that moment of patience that they have with someone that is their way of giving the Prince of Peace to another person. It may be the way that they give grace to someone at work who really doesn't deserve it. And, and yet they choose to give that. It may be the way they demonstrate that within their own family of, of saying, you know, I, I love you and I care about you and, and I want our relationships to be right because that's what God demonstrated for us. So I think those are all significant ways of sharing the Prince of Peace with others this holiday season. The uh, prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament uh, shared some of the, the titles or, or nicknames of Jesus. Uh, wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then we celebrate this Prince of Peace who's coming uh, during this Christmas season. And yet, this is not the peaceful season. This is the most hectic season of the year for most people, I'd say. How, how sad is that? And, and I think part of the reason for that is, and, and we joke a lot at Journey because uh, Journey groups are so important to us. We, we really believe that they're the heartbeat of what we do as a church. When we gather together in smaller groups to, to study God's word, um, to find accountability together, to build those relationships that we talked about and all. And, and we have this phrase that we use, especially with our leadership a lot, where we say relationships are messy. If I really begin to invest my life in a relationship with someone else, the reality is at some per- at some point that person's going to let me down. At some point that person's going to make a mistake, or at some per- point that person's life is going to become really hard. And if I've invested my life in them, that means it's going to get messy as I try to help and as I try to encourage and I try to do those those things. And in part, because of the, the sinful nature of the world that we live in, things that are intended for good, things that have the, the greatest intentions, many times get twisted. And what happens in that twisting, and I, I love this statement that I heard several years ago, is that Satan rarely tempts us with bad things. He tempts us with good things that are not the best things. And, and I really like that, because if, if you just said, hey, I need you to choose between good and bad, which will you choose? Oh, well, I'll choose good. 
obviously. That just that just makes sense, you know. Um, but if I ask you to choose between something that's really the best for you, but another thing that seems really good, well, but I kind of like that good thing. Especially if it's immediate. Absolutely. If it's that immediate gratification kind of thing that happens. Um, I, I have a perfect example of that. The other night we were getting ready to have supper. And so I asked my son, Caleb, I said, hey, do you want uh, do you want steak tonight? Or do you want me to heat up those leftovers from last night? And he'd just gotten back from lifting. He, you know, so he was hungry. He was all those kinds of things. Well, let's be honest. Steak, fresh, off the grill, even in the middle of December, is the best thing. But for him, he he wanted the other because it was now. And it's not that it was bad. It was good. We'd, we'd had it the night before. It was good food. It was healthy food. It was all of those kinds of things. But he wanted that instead of what was what was fresh and what could have been right there. And I think we do that a ton of times in our relationships to where, um, well, the best thing for me to do this season is to step back and find a way to spend some quality time with the people that mean the most to me. But a, a good thing is to make sure that everybody has tons of packages to open under the tree on Christmas. And what happens sometimes is then we sacrifice that quality time, so we can do this other thing. And, and sometimes it's because we feel like it's what's uh, expected of us, either by society or by the, the group that we hang with or whatever. Um, sometimes it's just because of our, our own inner expectations that we put on ourselves. You know, some of us may have grown up not having much, and so now we want our kids to have more than what we had, or or we're trying to compensate. You know, it's been a a rough season for our family. So let's compensate by doing all these things and going over the top or, you know, whatever it might be. I even heard a guy this last week when I was out doing some of the things that I do in the community. He was talking about all of these different events that he had to go to. And he wasn't excited about going to any of them. They were just something that he had to do. They were an expectation. And the whole time in my mind, I think, man, you know, if, if you would just Chuck those things out the window and take that time spending it with people that were meaningful to you and those relationships. I mean, how much greater would that Christmas season be for him rather than just going through the motions of, of showing up but not really connecting? You know, and so to me, um, I, I really feel like as, as we walk through Christmas and, and really as we walk through any season, the greatest example that we have, again, is, is what God's done for us. I mean, God took away everything else so that he could be in relationship with his creation. And for us, I think, especially this season, as we focus and, and see all the chaos that goes on and see all the busyness and see all the stuff, instead, if, if we could focus on what is most important, you know, primarily our, our relationship with God, you know, secondly, the way that we relate to our, our family and friends. And, and third, how God has called us to be his hands and feet in the world that we live in. I, I think if, if we could begin to, to focus in on those things, we would really find the, the true meaning, the true joy that comes at Christmas. Well, I think that just about wraps up our time for today. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to 
to share? No, I'd say I, I'm really excited. I hope folks will be able to join us this next Sunday as we dig in a little bit deeper to this concept of, of God with us. Um, this Sunday, we're talking about hope. Um, and, and hope is something that is so vital to our world um, because so many people are hopeless. Mm. And so I hope people will come and not only come, but I hope they'll they'll bring somebody with them. Everybody knows somebody that struggles with that, you know. Bring somebody with them this week that may need a message about hope, because I think God's going to do something in our midst that'll be significant. And if you want to listen to our sermon from last week, you can go ahead and go to our Facebook page to get kind of a, a background to what we're talking about here. And if you're not able to join us this Sunday, we also stream it live uh, every Sunday morning at 10 Central Time. Facebook Live, gotta love it. Gotta love it.